With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. PWC Podcast with Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC, 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 This is the Stone Age Savage Beast Man. And you're listening to the Russell Phil podcast. Who's a husk? Who's a husk? Who's a husk? You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is the Beast Man, Wes Fetty. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Vince. I'm going good, buddy. Thanks for having me today. It's uh, it's a long time coming. I'm glad we're actually able to do it tonight. So. Yes, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. You've been professional wrestling for 18 years. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your career, kind of how you got started and some of the places where you started in at and, you know, just kind of take us up to present day and how things are going. Well, uh, long story short, life is good. Uh, I can't complain as to happiest I've been wrestling wise and in my personal life for the last uh, I would say the last six to eight months. So very happy about that. Uh, when I started, I started actually when I was 16 years old. I took my first back bump and started really learning how to get into the business. I didn't really know how. I went to my first like indie show when I was 14 and uh, I started asking questions about, hey, how do I do what I got to do to be in business? They asked me, like, you got to train, you got to go to wrestling school. I never knew anything about that. Like, I just thought you just went in the ring and just started doing it. So, because like growing up, I. Uh, Living in a single family home, my mom was the only one raised me, didn't have a father. Uh, she was always working all the time. So, really, the only thing I had to look forward to was Monday nights at nine o'clock on uh, USA and uh, TN, uh, T- TNT. And that's why I really grew up, was like wrestling, like grew up into watching wrestling. My friends were wrestling fans. That's all we ever talked about. Uh, I actually got suspended from school one time for uh beating up i was team wwf uh my friend was team wcw and i actually got into a fight with him beat him up and put the shirt off and got suspended for a week because of it but uh just uh, starting out in the business kind of started out wrong i uh met a guy at a show when i was 17 he uh said that he can put me on shows to get me trained and little did i know the guy didn't know what he was talking about his name was not even worth mentioning to be honest with you and I really didn't get my – so for like a couple of years, I was just trying to find my way to get into the business, do things the right way, and just trying to get booked. Just wanted to make sure I could do things right, you know? And when 
I would say about 2006, uh, met a guy named uh, Nikita Alanoff, who was a trainer up in Pittsburgh for uh, Pro Wrestling Express at the time, and started going up to Pittsburgh uh, every other Saturday to train with him. And then he eventually left there. And there was a local promoter, Wheeling, uh, named Rick Diamond. He uh, promoted Black Diamond Wrestling. And he had a ring, but didn't have nowhere to set it up. So what happened was he put the ring in his garage, but the garage wasn't big enough to put the whole ring in. So half of it was outside, half of it was inside. And we would be training like every Sunday. And what the funny, the funny thing was is in the winter months, it'd be cold and snow. Uh, we'd be, we'd have to like stop what we're doing, actually sweep out the snow in the ring to like fit to like continue training. And then it'd be like a hundred degrees in the summertime and hot canvas and sweating, sweating your balls off, just trying to, trying to get into the business I love to this day. And then in May of 2007, I had my first match. So, and then my career just started going off like that. I, when I first started wrestling, I wore a mask because when I was trying to get in, like in my early years, like a lot of people had that. Like I left a lot. I left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. So I wore the mask to kind of like cover up like, who I was, so like I would, so a lot of heat can be taken off me and stuff like that. And then in around 2010, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of TJ Phillips in a show in West Virginia who didn't want me to wear the mask no more. I was like, I don't know, I kind of like wear it because it was that was who I was. I didn't know how to have another identity. So he's like, you're gonna be George the Beast Man Fetty, and I'm like. Because George is my first name, so it's like a knockoff of George Amblesteel plus Beast Man from Masters of the Universe. So, I first time I went out there, didn't really have a clue what I was doing. I was just myself in my my wrestling gear that I wore in a mask. But then I started like uh, adding more like character to it. Like, okay, you need to be a beast. You need to be a beast. I didn't know what to do. Did not know what to do. I didn't know how to like study George Steele or those guys yet. But then I started uh I started watching one night. It was actually Ace Ventura Pet Detective 2. And it was the scene where it was where he was fighting the African Savage. And just like it just clicked right there. Like everything just clicked. Like the dude's mannerisms, how he acted, like like just it was insane how he was. I'm like, that's it. That is who I need to be. That is who Beastman needs to be. So the next time I went out there, I changed up my whole look. I was wearing green and black trunks, which was which I got off of Evolution, which were a size too small. So that was a bad idea. But then I started incorporating like, but that was developing my character. I used to come out with people pulling me out on a chain. Uh, then after that, like I, I used to carry, like I lost the chain, started wearing fur boots, uh, started like carrying the giant bone. And then from the bone, it went to like, I was wearing a one piece Tarzan. And then after that, I was starting wearing a loincloth and then I got the bear head. And now I'm now to this day, I'm wearing the mask dog head. 
So, I mean, the evolution of the character has kind of like evolved over the last 18 years, but it's been, but it's always something different every time. I'm always trying to be different than what everybody else does. Yeah. And, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I, I, I've seen your, your new album. Yeah. And man, let me tell you something. Uh, it's night and day from, you know, from what it was last year or, or a few months ago. Um, I think it's, I think it's sharp, you know, who, who helped you with that? Did, did you make that or did you have someone help you with that? Because it, it, it is stunning, dude. All right. So honestly, like I never, I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what. And like, ever, like the style, like the thing that's in now with everybody is like, everybody likes to wear entrance masks. Like these really cool masks when people come out to, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't really need to do that all that much. But then, like, uh, one night I was on, I was talking with uh, Sam Adonis on Facebook, and we were just chatting. It's like, you really need something to, like, elevate you to the next level. And I'm like, I agree with him because the bear, the bear heck, you know, like, like, the bear, I got three years out of the bear head. And that, it, it got me to a place where I never in my entire life thought that I would, uh, um, get to. I, I never thought I'd get to Warrior, MLW, or places like that. And I needed to evolve. So the one I was uh, looking, and I've always been a big fan of the Vader, the Vader, the Black Vader, like masked on, like mask. And I've always loved that. I'm like nobody does that in wrestling anymore. So I was talking with Sam about it. He helped me come up with a couple of designs for what we were trying to do. And I got a hold of uh, Rockwell out of uh, Missouri, who does, like, all the WWE guys stuff and uh, everybody's mask on the indies. Like, he's not cheap at all. And it took about nine months to get it done. But and a, few, a couple thousand dollars later, here it is. Like, lo and behold, I have a big ass mask that I hate to hauling around especially through airports and shit because everybody's like, ooh, what's that? But it's 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 a game changer. And like I mean, even when I go to places that no one's ever seen me before, when I walk in when I walk out and they see the mask on head, they're like, holy shit. Instant reaction. That's what makes me different from everybody else. Like I if I can't get a reaction coming out through the crowd, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Absolutely. It, it is, like I said, it's, it's night and day. Uh, I think it's, I think it's sharp. I, I, I think, I think he did a very good job with it. What was, did you have any input or did you have any ideas? Did you kind of tell him what you were thinking or did you just say, Hey, you know, you gave him a, enough information on your, on your character and you just let him go with it or how did that all come about? Honestly, I just said the design told what I wanted, and it, like I said, it took nine months to get done because we were like going through different processes of him getting it all done and uh, drawing up everything. Like we tweaked things a couple times, so it was like and it was like a back and forth process for a while until we finally were able just to be able to get part like get the main design done that we added the little shit towards the end. And and you said it's a it's a hassle uh, taking through airports and stuff. How do you how do you travel with that thing? Well, I have to usually whenever I go to the airport, I usually have to have a check bag now because of that because I can't put it I can't put it in my carry on or 
it's too big, so I have to put it in a duffel bag or something to get through. So it sucks. Well, what would you say? How would you describe your last year of wrestling? You know, would you? We were talking uh, a little bit before we started recording, and you know, I asked you if you know have you have you been making tracks in this past year because you've been wrestling for eighteen years. That's almost two decades, and you said this last year has been pretty good for you. So talk a little bit about the, you know, the, um, I guess, I guess the, the change in your, your schedule. I really like a lot's changed when it comes to where I'm going. Like, I'm never home anymore. Like I used to wrestle maybe twice a month close to home, like an hour away. Now, like my closest drive is maybe like three hours, which is nice. Cause like, I'm, I'm never around. I'm like a new I feel like every week I'm in a new part of the country, like almost a different part of the country. There's a lot of, like, I'm not, I'm traveling more than I ever thought I would. But that's what I've always wanted to do. I never, like, my goal when I got into wrestling is I, I didn't want to be a local yokel. I didn't want to be a uh, a weekend warrior. Like, I didn't want to be, like, one of these guys that, like, stayed, uh, stayed like, with an hour from wherever they where we're from and just stay local. I couldn't do it. Like I, I got into the wrestling business to A wrestle and B make a name for myself and travel. So and and this past year, like past actually two years, I've been traveling more and getting my name out there. And I mean it got me the it got me where I wanted, like it got me signed to MLW for a short amount of time, which is something that a lot of people can't say they do, but it raised my stock and now I'm going to better like now all my indie dates of picked up because of that and it's nice it's really nice but at the same time it's like i wish sometimes i could just stay at home on the weekends and not have to worry so much but when you're chasing that dream it's hard to say no it's hard to like say no to a booking a good booking like it's like it's easy for me now to pick and choose where i go but like it's it's also hard to also because like i've remained loyal some places like over the years that i still work for and like I never asked like raise my price or anything like that because these guys have been good to me. I'm not going to turn my back on them now, you know. So that's like one. That's like the one thing that hasn't changed is like my lo- my loyalty to the people that's been with me before, like where I'm at now. So I'm glad to have that on my shoulders. But at the same time, it's like I'm also traveling a lot. And it's like hard to really maintain those bookings now, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So, so you're, you're a pretty big, pretty big guy. What, what's your size? What, how tall are you? And, and what's your, what's your, uh, I guess, billing weight? 6'3", 430. That's my shoot weight too. Last year I was like a four, uh, a year and a half ago, I was at 460. I dropped down to about 379. Uh, when I got my MLW, I, I, I got no reason to lie, but I was when I got released from MLW, I gained, I was, I went through a really bad depression and I gained most of that weight back. So, <sighs> mental health is real, people. Don't let anybody tell you different. But, uh, no, nah, it screwed me. It really kind of, it really mentally messed me up for a while. And I just started eating and eating and stopped going to the gym. I, 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 I'm slowly getting out of that process. Like, like I mean, and what, like getting back to the gym and getting back to the swing and things. But like, I mean, other than that, I'm pretty much happy right now and content with everything. 
I'm going to ask you a couple questions about that time, if you don't mind me asking. What did it feel like? There was uh, something uh, specific that triggered that off because, I mean, I I definitely understand mental health and 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 how difficult it is. You know, I mean, did it feel like something triggered you, or just something that maybe underlying for a while, or working hard to get signed was the one I said to myself, if I can't get signed by the time I'm 35, I'm going to quit wrestling. 35, I got signed. So it was nice. Like I got, I accomplished my goal, you know, and then not even like two months, it, it got taken away from me. I mean, what did you do wrong? What did I do wrong? Like, is it my talent? Like, do I suck? Like what? What is it? What was it? It just put me in a downhill slope of depression for like months. Like I didn't even want to be in wrestling anymore. Like that's like it was. It was rough. Like there was even times where I thought thought about some other things, which uh, just it just it was it was rough. It was rough. But like I had to find my ways to get over it, and thankfully I was able to do that. And like I ended up actually starting my own promotion up here in West Virginia. Uh, Victory Championship Wrestling. So that's been my, uh, I'll say that's my baby and that's been my stress reliever because like now I know what it feels like for everybody else that runs promotions and how tough it is and how hard it is. But to me, I, I think it's, I actually enjoy the promoting side. I like the, the booking side. I like the stress of it. As crazy as it sounds because it, it's a challenge. Like I like challenges. But, it's 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 definitely a lot to fill on my plate, but it also made me realize that there's more outside in the wrestling than there is just trying to get a piece of paper. Right. Now, I was going to ask you about that because I, I saw something uh, recently on social media. It looked like you were it looked like you were uh, promoting. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. I, I've done some promoting. I've done some MMA promoting. I was a matchmaker for a promotion uh, down here in South Texas for, for a little while. What were the, the challenges? What, what are the challenges that you find? Because I thought, you know, the budget and the, and the card and, and, you know, getting good talent. And I, I, I just thought that was very difficult to do. I would say the hardest part for me is thinking of it's not really the the budget thing is always important to any promoter. I it's that's like one of the hardest things. I mean, like you said, it's like one of the hardest things to do because you're trying to make sure you're not going broke, you know what I mean? And for me, the most challenging part is like where do we go next? Like I like it's always a like I'm always questioning shit that I have written down for a show coming up, and I don't like it. I'll change it like 50 times before the show starts, just because like I want it to be better because I want to, I want to put out the best product that I can, and I don't and trying not to overbook or overspend and which I've already probably done three times. <laughs> this is my third show coming up, and this is probably third time I've probably overspent on my budget but I want a good quality show I don't want like I don't want a bad product I don't want something that people are like oh this is wrestling and then they come and they see it's not wrestling it's trash I don't want that I want good quality wrestling I want to provide to the people of Wheeling West Virginia my hometown and I feel like within the past couple of shows we've done that I we steadily have kept like First show we had 210 people. 
second show we had about 175 but you know we were competing with like local hockey team there was like a like we were actually competing with things that day too like local hockey team had their final home game of the year there was like a free church uh show at uh one of the big theaters in town and we were we we competed but we drew 175 to me that's a success now we're coming up on father's day was when our next show is this is really going to be like my make or break to see if we can keep like this is my make or break show because I always believe in three shows. If you can't, uh, if you can't keep a steady crowd after three shows, then I'm out. But I feel like we're going to be good. I'm not scared. I'm very confident uh, in my boys and how I promoted this thing. So it's just a matter of see. It's just a wait and see moment. And that's the one shitty thing about being a promoter is waiting and seeing what's going to happen. And who are some of the talent that you bring on the show? Is it local talent in your in in William, West Virginia, or is it uh, you know people that you've met along the the way in your career? Who's wrestling with you? So it's a mixture of local. So I don't have a lot of local talent because William doesn't really have a lot of local, doesn't have a big local wrestling market. So in rosters, like there's been people of like and old companies that have wrestled in the area. I've like, my goal with this is I'm trying to do a whole different roster. So, okay. So some of the guys that I have, I have uh Madman Fulton from impact wrestling. He is like, he's on my roster. Uh, myself, uh, super Oprah, uh, from Columbus, Ohio, who's a big, who's a big attraction in the area. Uh, guys from IWC, which is a uh, local promotion up here in Pittsburgh that's well known, where Britt Baker and Wardlow came from. Uh, we, Andrew Palace and uh, Renny LeVay. Uh, we also got a lot of great uh, talent from Ohio, like Matthew Taylor, um, Damian Chambers, Crash Jackson, Tanner Reynolds, uh, the Wise Guys, Dean Shane. We also got a tag team from Altoona, PA, called the Rad Boys that are very good, that are just really good up-and-coming wrestlers. Got some guys from West Virginia, like Mount Kilpis and uh, Saturday Night Special, just to name a few guys. But like, mainly the roster is like a good, pe- a good bit of the tri-state area. It's not all just one local group of people that wrestle like the same 20 places every weekend. Today's wrestling has a, a lot of smaller guys, and 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 you being the size that you are, who's your competition? I mean, who who are some of the people that you're stepping in the ring with, or who are some of the the big guys that you're battling against these days? Well, there's a lot. Of, like pro wrestling is always gonna have big guys. Like there's never gonna be like there's always gonna be guys that are trying to like like my size are always gonna try to be competition, but I really don't see it like that. Like, I actually, like, okay, so the guys that are, like, my size, like, Congo Kong from it, uh, Congo Kong, first person, see, uh, I don't, do you know who he is? I do. He's, he's, I've uh, had him on my podcast. I've written a story about him. So, yeah, I know Steve. Okay, so Steve, me and Steve, like, well, he's probably one of my top five favorite opponents ever. Just, I love working with him. Great guy. Um. Super Oprah, Papa Dingo, same people. Uh, Mammy and Fulton, obviously the best super heavyweight out there right now, and I'm not afraid to say this. Calvin Takeman. So Calvin Takeman is like one of – like he's a guy that I love working with. Um, Ace Romero. 
who else? Like, uh, they're, like every area has its big dude, and I'm not like I'm one of those guys. Like, I love going into like different areas and working with them because it it provides something different for the fans. Like you said, like a minute ago, pro like a lot lot nowadays wrestlers are smaller than me, and which is fine and it's cool. And like everybody likes to work a faster pace. I don't work like I work. A, I work a slower, methodical, old school style with a mo- little bit of a modern twist. And the crowd like it seems to work. Like I wouldn't be getting the bookings I have if it didn't. You know, I looked at Cage Match. I've I've seen all the places all over the Midwest. You're all over the eastern uh, side of the United States. I mean, you you're definitely putting in the miles. Hmm. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to be nationwide. That's my goal. Like I like to be able to. I, I've already been to Vegas this year. I like to go back again soon. Uh, I'd like to try to hit Northwest at least once. I love Texas. Texas is like one of my favorite places to go. So I'm hoping to get back there soon. Talk to a guy in Oklahoma. I I think right now it's just a matter of like I think the problem right now with that is just a matter of trying to get me there. Uh, it seems like that's with a lot of places, but I mean, with everything going up right now, I completely understand that, you know? I guess the the, the price in gas and inflation as it is, you know, uh, traveling's got to be challenging, and especially if you're doing that for a living. It, it truly is. But I mean, it's, like I said, it's like one sacrifice you got to make. What would you tell younger wrestlers, you know, coming in, coming into the profession and what would you share with them to maybe I don't know maybe to, to share with them some of the mistakes that you made in the very beginning or or what would you share with them to just kind of help them along the way that's easy uh ears keep your ears open keep your mouth shut be different from everybody else be creative three those are the three best things I'll tell anybody you know, when you, you talk about being creative and being different from everybody else, um, it's got to be a lot harder than it than it sounds, right? Because, I mean, if you look, there's a lot of people you can, you can turn on TV and you can say, that guy looks like this guy or that person looks like, you know, so, you know, they're using so-and-so's gimmick. To be an original can't be easy, right? I mean, after everything's been used. No, not at all. That's why. That's why you gotta be different. That's why you gotta. That's why you gotta think of. Okay, so there's probably about I don't know about eight, ten or twelve people in the wrestling business that, are, that do get a character similar to me. You know, so what makes me different from them? That's that's the thing. Like if you go in and you see a regular guy in trunks and boots when they wrestle, like okay, what can I do that's different than him? And it's it's very hard. That's why you got. That's why you got to watch the old school. You got to watch the people that came before you, and be and learn from them as well. You can't just learn everything off you see on TV on Wednesday nights. You can't like you can't. Oh, I Dante Martin just did this thing. I'm going to do that. Yeah, there's a lot more to being a professional wrestler than just learning what the moves are. Like I mean, there's psychology. There's being good on the mic. There's having a good physique or like what like every, like everything it's like i'm a six foot three four hundred thirty pound guy from west virginia that carries a giant bone and grunts what's more different to me than the guy within the guy that's like six foot four 
280 pounds jacked. The difference is I can catch it. Like, I, I'm more believable than he is. You know what I mean? Well, what is it that you like so much about professional wrestling? Is it the, the fans, the fan reaction? Is it the, you know, all the, I guess, all the drama that goes goes into it? The one thing I love about professional wrestling is knowing that whenever I go out there through the curtain and into the ring, that I'm getting to live my dream in the hope that someday there's a kid that sits out in the crowd that was like me when I was a kid, says, hey, I want to be a wrestler just like me, just like him, and I'm talking about myself. Knowing that I have that possibility to make an influence on someone else's life is the best gratitude that anybody can ever get. In my opinion, it used to be, used to be the mud, the blood, and the beer. It used to be that. It used to be be with the boys and all that shit. But like the older I get, the more I realize like how much of an influence I could be on other people. So that's my that's the one thing I love, love about wrestling now. Right, right. Who was that wrestler for you when you were a little boy going to matches? Who was that wrestler? Oh, he, Hulk Hogan, no doubt. Definitely a good model. Was in the Hulkamania years, or was that in a NWL? Uh, Hulkamania years. The first time I saw Hulk Hogan was 1989. I've been in love with him ever since. Like, seeing him live, just get, his reaction to the crowd when he came out was, my God, like, that's something you can't ever forget. I, I will never forget that moment. Yeah, he, he was definitely something else. I mean... I first saw him in, in the Rocky movie, and uh, boy, he looked like a million bucks. I remember when he was wrestling in the AWA, and he wrestled Nick Bockwinkel, and, you know, they beat him for the, the belt, and he had the belt, and he was carrying the belt around, and then the referee came back in and switched the title and gave the, the belt back yeah. to Nick, and that was like one of his last big matches in the AWA that I can remember. I could, you know, I'm... No, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because that was his... Uh, that was the last match that he did before um, he went to WWE because he was... See, he, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yep. Man, let me tell you something. That match was off the hook. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. That was a great match. I, I actually remember watching I actually watched it a couple weeks ago just to watch back because I was watching the AWA documentary. Uh-huh. And I went back and watched that match. God, like that like that crowd reaction when he won the belt and then when he lost it over the over the top uh, over over the over the top rope rule, like that was yes. nuts. Yeah, you can't ask for a better like story like that, you know what I mean? Absolutely. When you you think back of all the matches that you know that you've seen, or some of the matches that take place, is there a match kind of similar to that one that we just talked about that kind of stands out in your mind? Like, you know, when you think of wrestling, that match just kind of comes to your mind. Yeah, uh, easily. It's the Hell in a Cell between Mick Foley and uh, the Undertaker because I was there when that happened. Yeah. That's that's another moment that I'll never ever forget. Yeah, how old were you then? Let's see, I was ninety-eight. I was twelve years old. And and were you on the floor? Or are you in the stands? Or where were you? 
stands. I was in the stands. Uh-huh. Who who were you with? My mom and my friend. So Okay. And God, that was awesome moment. Well, yeah, talk to me a little bit about what that what that was like. I mean, could you believe what you were witnessing? Oh, I was a shock. Like I'm like, this is the great I was like, yeah, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because no one, nobody expected that to happen. Like, it was like it was amazing. I was like, wow, like, <laughs> like just seeing him. Like, no, he's not. No, he's not. You see him get thrown off the cell. It just like if it felt like my like the rush was just a great feel. And then when he got thrown through the table, right, not the table, when he got thrown through the uh, cage, same reaction. Like it was crazy. It was all. It was insane and then just like it wasn't even those moments and then the thumbtacks when uh fully got thrown into like the, when the thumbtacks got poor i've never seen that before that was great i mean yeah when i when i watch when i watch that and i've i've seen it a couple of times i can't you know it, it's i mean it, it, for one thing it's it's unbelievable it's almost yeah you know, um what what blows my mind in that match is when he is thrown off the cage, when he goes off the first time, that he's able to get back up mm-hmm. and to go through again. You know, can you can you just imagine the impact that his body took when he hit the concrete? I mean, it's unfathomable. Scary. It's scary. I mean, he he must have been in shock. Yeah, his his body was wow, you know. And and that there's a wrestler right there that I mean, un, unbelievable. Some of the things that he's done, and you know, I saw him and Terry Gordy in a tag match once. I I I think it was in Japan. I I don't know for a fact, but I've never seen anything like that before. And they were pouring yeah. tags out, and I was. I was just kind of in awe. I was like, "What? What has wrestling come to? You know, what? What is going on?" And then, you know, of course, now it's real different than what it was when I grew up watching it. <laughs> it has. It's uh, wrestling's never gonna like wrestling will never be the same like it was before. Like I try to, like I try to keep like I try to maintain maintain my style like years in the past, and I mean. I think I think eventually it's gonna go back to how it was, like nice and easy. Like what I mean is like slow pace, like storytelling, and like not fifty thousand holds, like fifty thousand moves in one match just to get a two count. You know, I've actually heard that myself. You know, people believe that. You know, of course it evolves, right? It's been evolving since we were alive, and it's mm-hmm. evolved before that. You know. Uh, but yeah, I've talked to some people and they they do believe that, you know, it's it's gonna go back. Susan Green told me that she thinks it's gonna go back within 10 years. So I hope so. I truly hope so. From this point where you're at in your wrestling career, you know, what is it that you haven't done that you think you like to do? Uh, go to Japan. That's the goal. That's my. If there's any goal, that's it now. Have you had Have you had any opportunities to, or has anybody come to you yet? Not yet. Just being patient. 
I heard that you recently wrestled in Canada. What was that experience like? Can you tell me about that? Different experience. Don't make sure you get paid American, not Canadian. I learned that the hard way. So uh, uh, culture shock, just being in a new country and like not knowing that everything up there is in kilometers and liters and not gallons and like miles per hour was a little weird. But other than that, like it's just everything's pretty it's just like america in a way other than the small thing so pretty cool can't wait i'm going back in august so that's gonna be amazing so wes how can fans find you on social media and how can they they reach out to you if they want to uh you can find me on social uh you find me on facebook uh twitter and instagram at beastman husk uh i also got beastmanhusk.com uh, if you want to get a hold, promoters are trying to get hold of me for bookings or fans want to ask me any questions, you can email me at beastmanhusk at gmail.com. All right. Well, Wes, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I thank you so much for your time. I've enjoyed talking to you, and it's it's been fun, man. It really has. Thank you, Vinny. It was an honor and a pleasure, man. Hope we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome back anytime, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to do this finally. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fool. The Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Vault, Vault Volume one. 1, Bill Dundee, Super Mix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling Remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? Read all about his career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read passages by Dusty Wolf, David Manning, and Kevin Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised by what you read. Get your book on Amazon.